Hey, so what uh, what TV shows are you watching these days? <laughs> what, that vast wasteland? <laughs> it's the golden age of television, isn't it? The Is new it? golden age. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot How out many there. have there been? I don't know. Three, maybe? Two? Uh, I don't know. Are you watching anything? I've actually been going through Game of Thrones. We're a little behind on that, but uh, Gina wanted to watch it, so we've been watching that, which, are we ta- uh, which is good. Are we talking just scripted stuff, or are we talking any television program? Are you watching reality shows? Um, well, the wife and I do tend have tended to watch a lot of animal and veterinarian shows on Nat Geo Wild and things like that. Oh, uh, well, that's cool. I, I like I like some of the animal shows. Not I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, the hockey hockey's in the playoffs right now as we record this. So I've been watching a lot of hockey. Yes, and basketball as well. Uh, yeah. Well, once the Sixers were out of it, I'm done with basketball. <laughs> and the football season started. Uh, oh, the, the <laughs> USFL, the USFL yeah. it's back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I back from the eighties. <laughs> I, we had season tickets to the generals when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Like on the 20 yard line, I think we had really good seats. <laughs> All right. Uh, forgive my ignorance, but which team was, where was it? Where were the generals based? New York, New Jersey generals. Okay. Oh, wow. And, and they are, they are one of the teams that made a return. Okay. To be honest, I don't know if the Philadelphia Stars are even back in the league. I have not paid attention. They are indeed. Okay. The Philadelphia Stars are back in the league. All right, then. Well, I learned something today, something that there you probably go. many other people actually cared, actually already knew. And, and and yet, that has nothing to do with our show. But still, okay. well, this is our show. Well, we've gotten that out of the way. Wait, is that our show? That's our show. Welcome back to That's Our Show. I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And this week, month, year, whatever. This episode. Let's go with that. Yeah, okay. Can we do that over again? No. Keep going. (laughs) All right. And in this episode, we'll be talking a little bit about our writing projects, kind of how we got into the process of collaborating that way. And we have somewhat of a special treat. We will be uh, performing an audio adaptation of one of our earliest writing collaborations. I think that's kind of the, our first original piece, really. Yes. Right? Well, I mean, not, not first entirely well, original, first with new characters and whatnot. Right. First piece that was not based on an existing premise or series of characters. Yes. Right. And I guess we can explain that at some point, but why don't we like go through our individual writing starts first? Well, <laughs> why don't you start? Because I don't, think I have a ton of experience writing before we actually started working together. So I actually used to write stuff like way back in high school. I used to like to just write scripts for existing shows and stuff just for fun. So is that in the biz? Is that what they call a spec script? Um, I mean, I guess technically it's a spec script. I mean, I wasn't like writing them to send in or anything like that, but a script written on spec is something that you're writing before it's purchased, whether that's an original work or an adaptation or like an episode of a, of something that already exists. So it doesn't have to be from an existing property or based on an existing property. No, if you are sending in a, um, an original movie script, that would still be a spec script unless they've already hired you. 
Got it. Now I used to write stuff for things that weren't even scripted. Like back in back in the day, I was writing episodes of David Letterman. Even <laughs> though that was, I, I mean, that's not a scripted show, but well, I would write like a whole. I I don't know. I, it was very weird, and I remember <laughs> Moonlighting. If you remember that show, I, I wrote stuff. With do you that. remember that show? I didn't really yeah, watch I, it because it was probably, you know, for an audience a little bit older than I was at the time it was on. But I do remember the show. That was still on, I think. I think it finished when I was in college, because I am a bit older than you. But I, I remember another show it, we've actually recently started watching, Cheers. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Cheers. I never wrote anything based around that, but well, yeah, I, I, used to, I used to love that. A couple of years ago, I actually met one of the writers from Cheers from early on, uh, Ken Levine. Oh, cool. hmm. um, yeah, he wrote a lot of that. Yeah, he. we're still in the middle of the first season, but uh, he and, I guess it was David Isaacs, pretty much co-wrote practically every episode from that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So from there, I used to, I used to get in trouble in some classes because I would write uh, prose and I would trade back and forth with friends. We would like each write a sentence or so. Okay. And then continue. And then the next one would continue the story and we would pass it back and forth. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like my earliest writing stuff. And then when I went into college, I guess it was as an undergrad, I took a creative writing workshop. And really liked that. And by the time I went to grad school, I took a creative writing workshop like every semester. Now, I was an English lit major, but they added partway through, I think it was after my first year, they actually added an MFA in creative writing. Now, essentially, by the time I finished my curriculum, I had an MA in English lit with a concentration in creative writing. There was no such thing, however, but I finished most of the qualifications for an MFA. Oh, before the degree existed. Before the degree existed at the school. So I was always interested in that, and I I can kind of continue doing that. And then it was my friend Mike, who I don't even remember how it was we started, but we used to talk about writing, and the two of us ended up collaborating, and speaking of spec scripts, on a Seinfeld script entitled The Slaw. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and and that actually got out on the internet, and quite a few people have read it. I mean, it's it's probably still out there somewhere. If you search for Seinfeld the Slaw, you can probably find it. And that continued with him. We were writing movie scripts for a while, and not actively trying to sell them, but kind of passively. We did send stuff in a few times and and things like that, trying to again write on spec. What types but, of movie scripts? So the big one that we collaborated on was called Tips which was kind of like an 80s throwback movie in the vein of Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Which we had like Don Johnson pictured as the lead <laughs> kind of back in his Miami Vice garb, but like, you know, older. It, it was and, and, and talking about failed McDonald's products. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, the dude still works. He's I what did I just see him in recently? It was something Wasn't on, there a I Nash think, Bridges reunion recently? Maybe I think it was it was called uh, the sick note, I believe, with that had him in all of the first season, and it was Rupert Grint, okay, from Harry Potter, yeah. and shoot, what's his name? Oh, and the guy who was who co-starred with Simon Pegg in Shaun of the Dead oh, and, uh, and, and all of the the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his Nick, name? Nick uh, Frost. Yeah, okay. Nick Frost. 
So yeah, the two of them and, and Don Johnson was in that. But I digress. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. But anyway, yeah, so that's kind of how I don't think I it's ever going to happen on this show. <laughs> no, certainly not. It never happened on our old show either. <laughs> but that's how I got into writing. And I, I wrote some things with Mike and some things on my own. I wrote an adaptation of John Polidori's The Vampire. I remember that. That was a, a, another full-length script. And, you know, there were a lot of projects that never quite got off the ground. And then you came along and, and we started collaborating. And, and that's kind of where my writing has been since. I don't really. I've dabbled in wanting to try to write something, but I I'm completely drawing a blank as if I ever if I ever actually finished anything. I would get I'd get up to a certain point and then realize I just felt like I was being a hack and I would stop and quit and abandon it and mm. maybe try it again at some other point. But it I, can be overwhelming. Yeah. Well, and I also think I really came into it without any really established skills or craft or discipline to it. I was just like, oh, I'm going to start writing something today <laughs> and not really well, plan it well enough. Really? that Now that I'm thinking about it, that is how I got started. When I was a kid... My, I, I was complaining to my dad that I was bored and, you know, some people will go, you're bored, go read a book. My dad said, you're bored, go write a novel. <laughs> so I started writing a Star Trek, the next generation novel. Okay. Like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I never finished that. I did end up adapting parts of it into short stories when I was doing those writing, uh, workshops. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's really how I got started. All right. So uh, that was probably something I dabbled with the idea of, but again, just didn't have the follow through. <laughs> I, I, Sometimes I, the follow through is hard. No, nah, uh, now that I think about it, I think a couple friends of mine and I tried to write a, I had sort of a kind of a police sitcom idea going for a little bit. And we actually did sit down and try and write an episode one time and I'm sure it was pretty awful, but we were <laughs> laughing ourselves silly about it at the time we were writing it. And that was probably the first complete thing we collaborated on. I'm trying to think, was there anything else? I, I think I tried to write one time, probably uh, over summer break, I think I tried to write some sort of a uh, novel or a mini novel, probably like a kid's novel concept of basically sort of like a Phantom of the Opera-esque adaptation of something, but... Mm -hmm. I think I got through four or five chapters of that and quit. <laughs> wow, this should be more uh, an episode called uh, How I Didn't Get Into Writing. <laughs> well, I think... But, to, I mean, eventually it led you into something. Yeah, I, I experimented later with some short stories. That, again, didn't really get very far. I ought to really kind of go back and look to see what I did write because I'm kind of blanking on a lot, a lot of it. Honestly... Mm -hmm where I kind of ended up gravitating towards was songwriting for me. Ah, so yeah. that's where I ended up putting that energy toward. And it was easier for me to figure out how to write a song than to write a story. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certainly overlapping skills to some extent there. Yes and no, because at least with, depending on the kind of song you're writing, you don't necessarily have to have a plot. <laughs> you don't necessarily <laughs> have true. to have characters. Uh, you don't have to, you know, follow a story arc. Always. You can. I mean, certainly plenty right. of songs are written that way, and I've dabbled with that a little bit. But in that format where you just have to put string together three verses and a chorus usually, it was more my speed. It was more, I guess it kind of worked more conceptually 
rather than having to flesh out every little detail of a full-fledged story. And there right. was also the other part of it that's completely unrelated to writing a story, and that's composing the music to go with it. Well, sure. Well, I, I, it's probably more akin to poetry than prose. I guess, except I don't really consider myself a poet, and I'm, admittedly I'm not a huge fan of poetry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I took a lot of poetry courses. I think I did try to take a poetry writing workshop, but ended up dropping out of that because it's <laughs> not really my bag either. But I'm pretty I, good I mean, at improvising haikus, though. Well, there you go. <laughs> that, I guess, ended up leading into our writing collaboration. And I don't even remember. Do you have any recollection as to how the two of us got together to start writing? Well, we, of course, first met working in community theater on Death Defying Acts, mm -hmm. uh, circa 2001, 2002. You did, it was a, what, a feature film script, Taming Shakespeare, was it? Yes, that was, the, I believe that was the second one that I collaborated with with my friend Mike on. Okay, I remember being part of a staged reading for that. Mm -hmm. And then it might have been not that long after that that we kicked around the idea of doing some sort of a writing project together. Mike might have moved away by that point, so. <laughs> I, honestly, most of the writing that I did with Mike he was not local. I, I remember okay. when, when we wrote Tips, that first screenplay, we used to exchange faxes from from where we were working. We would <laughs> we would fax scenes back and forth. That's how long ago that wow. was. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I, I, he was in, I think he was living in Los Angeles at that point. Okay. And then he moved to Sweden. And I, and I think he was probably in Sweden when we started writing and and the first thing we wrote was a, again a spec script for buffy the vampire slayer right that was our first collaboration wasn't it our first collaboration yeah, yeah. i think it was your idea <laughs> was it oh okay uh, uh See, that what sure i couldn't remember yeah because we you, were both fans of the show and you probably had told me at the time that you um had written other spec scripts so mm -hmm. it seemed like and maybe it was Envisioned as a stepping stone for us to potentially collaborate on more future original projects, I guess. So yeah, yeah, I, I seem to remember that we were like, well, let's just try to do this, and we'll see how we work together. And if we mm -hmm. work well, then we can look into doing other projects. Right. So it was a established universe, established characters, and mm -hmm. we decided to pick uh, rather than having it be a continuation because I think the show was over by that point. We decided to pick a point in the middle of the second season, I think. Yeah. I mean, we actually figured out exactly yeah, where which it would fall. Between two episodes, it would fall based on mm -hmm. what was happening in terms of the over, overarching, arcing, arching arc. <laughs> overarching, I think. Thank you. Uh, Continuing. Yeah. But we, <laughs> you know, followed the structure. It was basically a kind of a standalone story, but it had context within where it fell within the overall yes. story timeline. Right, which kind of most of the episodes did. They were all pretty much standalone, but they they the, the character arcs continued between episodes with that show, and they always right. had the, the one big bad of the season. Right. And we sort of and did I, a preemptive tie-in to a future episode, or what would have been a future episode. 
Yes, and that that I remember being kind of tricky because, well, the whole thing kind of takes place in an alternate universe, which if you're familiar with Buffy, you know about the alternate universe. And because our script would theoretically become the first visit to that alternate universe, we had to come up with explanations as to why the characters wouldn't know it or yeah i I don't it was a it doesn't make a perfect sense we sort of ended up making a prequel to the alternate universe basically in terms of how it got to be the way it was yeah gee i wonder if we could put that on here at some point i mean i know it's copyrighted Uh, characters and everything but it's it's i don't know we certainly couldn't use any of the music or anything but that would be that that, that, we we could potentially try to get away with that if we shall see so as long as we don't have three million listeners or anything, which we don't expect. But <laughs> you anyway, never so, know. So after uh, we wrote the Buffy script, that worked well. And then that led into further collaboration and the, the birth of our, for some reason, when I wrote with Mike, we uh, called ourselves Falstaff Productions. Right. Uh, because, we, you know, we liked the, the Shakespearean reference and we both liked the Falstaff character. So I had this whole thing in my head that, you know, every writing collaboration needed to have its own name. So we ended up becoming Hotline Plays yep. based off of the, the first the, where we play met, which we was the script. Right, right. We, you know, we referred to Death Defying Acts. Hotline was the one act within Death Defying Acts that I directed Jim in, and that's where we met. So hence Hotline Plays. Yeah, not collaborated on as far as writing, but collaborated on as far as performing, directing, acting. Correct. So our first foray into writing, I guess, officially as Hotline Plays was a book deal. Yeah. So a little background from my side on that. I had recently purchased a book about script writing or playwriting specifically, I think, uh, trying to make a little bit more of an effort to take that approach to it, figuring that that was my best chance of actually getting a work I wrote performed would be potentially on stage. So I took that mm-hmm. tact with it. And one of the exercises from that book was what ultimately gave birth to a book deal. It was, I think it was the basic premise of write a scene in which one character wants something from another character. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, that's kind of a classic writing exercise. Right. So I took that concept and... The concept, the the basic storyline or premise of a book deal was mine. Uh, I came up with the two characters. The I don't want to spoil too much of it for now, but the <laughs> the hapless college student who wants to get this book from this other rather somewhat sinister looking person who he happens to meet in the bookstore, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, I seem to remember you coming to me with that and and saying that you know you had done this writing exercise and you didn't really know if there was anything to it. And and then I read through it and I said, you know, I, I think this could be adapted into a one act. Right. Which I guess like I, I, so I think it was just kind of this initial scene done as a writing exercise that you, I, I, I want to say you like basically entirely wrote a first draft of it. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was a little bit shorter than I think it ended up turning out to be, but it, the, mm-hmm. the, most of the main plot points or beats, if you want to call it that, were I think pretty yeah. much in place. And yeah, then I, I don't, I don't think I added much to that. Then we, well, we just passed it back and forth and fleshed it out. We, I think, I think where your contribution really came in was kind of more expanding the sort of philosophical debate between the two characters. 
about Mm -hmm. wanting and needing things and that kind of stuff. So really a lot of the meat of the character interaction, I think, came about once you started working on it, too. Yeah, it's interesting with this and really probably most of the things that I've written, when I go back to them later, and co-written is what I mean, I go back to them later and most of the time I cannot even recall like who came up with what. Yeah, there's always like a few lines here or there that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember writing that. Or, But there's also been times where I've sworn that there was a line that I wrote that either you or, or Micah said, no, that, that was my line. And, and honestly, I don't know which one of, it's rem- which one of us is remembering it wrong. <laughs> what? But mean- I do think that's the sign of a good collaboration. Well, yeah, if, if you get to the point where you can't tell one another's work from each other, then I suppose yeah. so. We should have uh, we should have adopted the system of in the final draft all the all the text that's color coded in red was yours and all the text color coded in green was mine or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, in the long run, it doesn't matter who wrote what, and, no. and you shouldn't be able because if you can pick that out, then it's not going to seem like a cohesive right piece. Oh, that's totally a Glenn line, <laughs> right? And I mean, sometimes that'll stick out as that. But overall, I'd like to think that it is a cohesive piece and it's not anything that's like, oh, that's Jim's section, that's Glenn's section. It's so clear. And and I guess uh, the you, dear listener, will get to hear that shortly. I guess we haven't really officially said that coming up will be a dramatic reading of a book deal that has been subsequently adapted for radio or podcast in this case. And honestly, that didn't take much to do that. It very little, <laughs> yeah, very little. little of the script of really had to be changed to get this to work for this format. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're heading to that next. And when we come back, do we want to talk a little bit more about some of our other collaborations? So after a book deal, we. I guess. Oh, wait. Did I write? Sorry. We should probably mention that a book deal actually did get performed. Yes, that it did. It it was performed at Barley Sheaf's One Act Festival probably a little shortly after we read it. Excuse me. Shortly after we wrote it. I don't think it was that long before we managed to get it performed. And that was probably written while we were doing, while we were working on Dracula together. I think that about lines up yeah and we got two actors who were involved with that to agree to perform it at the one act festival and then that was after dracula closed well we should mention that we weren't really directly involved with the production yes that's right we passed it off onto what was was, was tessa was in dracula right? she was yeah. an orderly i think but also the stage manager yeah. right Stage manager was Rob. Oh, okay. Then forget what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten. All right. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so our friend Tessa, who was in Dracula, agreed to direct it because we wanted to pass it off. We didn't really want to direct it ourselves. Yes. We wanted to see what somebody else took with uh, building a script uh, production around our script. Yeah. So then that went up at the one act festival we moved on. I believe the next thing to come out of Hotline Plays was my uh, one-act superstition. Right, which I had nothing to do with. 
Yeah. And not by then, not, not out of any spite or anything like that. Just <laughs> Glenn decided to write something on his own. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I guess that led up to in due time, right? Was the next thing we wrote. That's just been those three things. Uh, that, or am I missing something? No, that was our next collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And now I guess like now that we have the backstage group, I guess that's kind of taken over and hotline plays is pretty much defunct. Yeah. You kind of retired that horse, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> um, we should probably mention though, that when we worked on in due time, that was, that was more of a situation where we fleshed out a concept together. Yes. Rather than just taking. And, and that was a lot more detail to that. That's like a three scene, one act. Right. And I do recall some of our early meetings in a coffee house, in a coffee house yes. slash chain bookstore, very similar <laughs> to the setting of a book deal to go over yes. our initial plotting out of what in due time would become mm-hmm. and just kicking and ideas then, back and forth and outlining them. Yeah. And that kind of brings us up to speed. We've had a few other ideas that we've kicked around and now we're kind of writing stuff for that's our show. <laughs> Yeah, and going forward, we have some plans to write some new, completely new original content specifically for this podcast. Yes, but we don't want to spoil that will them come yet. later. So we are, like I said, still working on writing stuff. Now, things have kind of changed because I, I guess we just don't have as much time as we used to as we've gotten older and busier and I have a kid and we're working on a podcast and all of that. So I guess those days of sitting in a chain bookstore slash coffee shop are kind of replaced by Skype or just emails back and forth. Or God but forbid we could pick up the phone. <laughs> I I don't understand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> phone for talking <laughs> what a novel concept i know <laughs> seriously that's like the least i use my phone for the the least frequent thing i use my phone for is actual phone calls anymore <laughs> that's crazy but oh. but again i digress so i i guess like the writing process is it, it's not a standard thing because either one of us can come up with an initial concept it seems I don't know. It's interesting because I, I I I feel like if there's one of us starting with an idea to collaborate on, it's usually you, because I feel like when I come up with an idea, I end up writing it myself. <laughs> I don't know why is that, Glenn? I, because I have control issues. <laughs> <laughs> really? I don't know. What would you like but to talk you about? Say that? that i've got a therapist for that wouldn't you say that's the case though that that you're more likely to to start an idea that we collaborate on i mean a a book well though i guess the buffy because my ideas need help (laughs) that's not my implication at all but i know a book deal was was your idea i know the one that we're working on uh specifically for this podcast was your initial idea no we did, did kick that back and forth a little didn't we sorry which one was that again the one we're working for, for this podcast. Um, yeah, that was my idea. Yeah. Um, what about in due time? Was that more collaborative, that I idea? I think it was mostly collaborative. I think we probably hatched, latched onto the idea of wanting to do some sort of time travel-esque sto- or time travel-related story somehow. Yeah. 
Well, we wanted to do like a sci-fi one act because we don't you don't see a lot of sci-fi on stage. <laughs> and there might be some, a reason for a that. <laughs> yeah, there might be. We haven't managed to get that one staged yet, mainly yet. because neither one of us wants to direct it ourselves. But yeah, there's there be a lot to it. Some special effects. Yeah. Yeah. But that could end up making its premiere on here. We shall see. Perhaps. I think it probably regardless. will. <laughs> yeah. So regardless who comes up with the uh, the initial idea, I guess the start of anything is us kicking ideas based on that back and forth. Yeah, I mean, say? plot plot points, characters, mm-hmm. bouncing those back, b- bouncing those off one another. Probably, I would imagine the genre that we're aiming for tends to come up pretty early, maybe even before yeah. some of those other parts. I I, th- I think we kind of have to have that to some extent, although I know I've run into stuff back and forth. I know this has happened with Mike. I'm not sure if it's happened with the two of us where one of us is thinking more comedy and the other one's thinking more drama because you could go with like, because I think we had like this action script and I was thinking that it was going to be more comedic action. And I think Mike was thinking more serious action. So hey, that guess- ended up with an interesting, but... Guess what? I just found the outline, which might have been from our first meeting on this from 2008 from In Due Time. Here are some interesting tidbits. Our tentative working title was 19 slash 30 slash 40, which I think was supposed to represent the ages of the characters at at different time periods. Mm -hmm. We had, we pretty much had characters kind of pinned down early. We had a main character... The head time travel developer or his primary assistant. We had other guy <laughs> who is either other the head guy. developer or the primary assistant slash mentor, and then we had other guy's daughter who's smitten with the main <laughs> character. That is pretty much how it came out. I'm like, I- I'm seeing a file now too. I wonder if that's the same one that you're and looking then, at. May th- May 13, 2008? I think so. Yep. No, no, this is uh, no, that, January. No, this is newer because I see these. this actually has the character names. This says January 6th of 2008. Yeah, that was probably that first meeting. This is the oldest one that's out on our shared drive. And then we and had... That, this is actually a pretty complete outline. We had it listed as a character, the time travel cult. <laughs> yeah, that's still in there. Oh, in that outline? As, as Yeah, as of that first complete outline, yeah. that is still there. Yeah, so this outline actually I don't want to spoil too much of it if for when we most likely will perform this, but mm-hmm. uh this outline is pretty close to what the final version ended up being like. Well, if you've got it right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but that's pretty much where we're, you know, we start with the ideas and then we move on to the outlining where we're kind of like you know, just getting a rough sketch of the characters and the and the actual plot and splitting it up into scenes as necessary and that sort of thing. But that's kind of got to be done before we get to the actual dialogue writing. Yeah, and I think the way we worked on this was, okay, once we had the, the, uh, a solid outline that we were ready to work from, one of us just started writing a scene. Yeah. And, and then that, that's been the other thing is we kind of trade off who writes what scene. You kind of be like, oh, you know, once you've got the outline done, you can toss your hat into the ring for any scene. 
Sure. So you could have started on you scene might one. Write the I could opening. have started scene two. Yeah, and and that way we could get stuff done at the same time, and then from there it just goes to editing. Once the scene is written, it goes to the other person, and they might make changes. They might add dialogue, take stuff away. Yeah, add the, more description. The track changes function from Word definitely came in handy. Yeah, because you don't want to like make these changes and be like, all right, well, what did I write? What got changed? So that that is something that I kind of came up with that when I was working with Mike, that it was good to just leave those track changes on. You could go through and be like, all right, yes, I, I accept that. I don't accept that. And you can add like little notes going, I don't know why you made this change. I think blah, blah, blah. Your idea is stupid. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the other thing that's, that you really have to keep in mind when you're collaborating is the egos kind of have to go out the window. They do. And sure, <laughs> you can you can defend what you've done. You can defend what you want to change, what you want to keep and all of that. But you can't be like, well, that idea is stupid. And <laughs> my my dialogue's better than yours. And you can't do that because it's just it's not productive. You're right. Then you'll get back and forth into a, a pissing match, so to speak. And exactly. I don't think we ever Ex devolved into such childishness, did we? <laughs> well, n we didn't need to because you, you, I mean, it's clear that my writing's better. So we really didn't need to get into. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't recall anything where either one of us, I mean, we've, I'm sure there have been parts of writing where we've gone back and forth in a particular scene or a particular chunk of dialogue where somebody wanted to make changes and we kind of went back and forth until we came up with probably a third option that worked for both of us. Yeah, I'm sure there are, I do recall there are situations where, all right, well, I kind of liked my original version better than your alternate version. And yeah, there was, mm -hmm. there, there was most likely some give and take and compromise that came into that. Yeah, but at least thus far, I have enjoyed collaborating with you and I haven't felt, I ha I have felt heard in my edits and my <laughs> writing and all of that i haven't felt you know crushed uh, that's just because i gave up arguing the point because <laughs> <laughs> i'm so stubborn yeah stubborn eh <laughs> yeah so we split up those tasks and then eventually we work our way to like a, a final script and then that usually that final script goes back and forth quite a few times Often it seems like mistakes are found at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all the files I saved from that. We started, we had outlines through May. We didn't actually start writing scenes till like November of 2008. And then we passed. Uh, I'm going yeah, by the. I, I mean, you can look on on the our shared drive. We we also have a shared drive so we can access all these files. There's actually a lot of the in due time stuff out there. Oh, I I kept my own archive of all this stuff I know, too. So. But I'm just saying they're out there too, so we could both be looking at the same thing. But it looks like the first scene, which is listed as one A and one B, but that's not till February, so you might have earlier stuff. The I see a scene list in June. Uh, okay. But that's maybe I don't. Much... I might not have everything here. So I see scene one, one dash one, and one dash two. Looks like we're passing those back and forth circa late 2008, early 2009. And yep. we kept bouncing that back and forth to like 2010, it looks like. Then we started in 2010. We finally got around to starting scene two. <laughs> I have, I have, let's see, 
outline final was August 2010. I have seen one final in October 15, 2010. Oh, I got more than and, that. I got it going to like February of 2011 here. Oh, I'm saying scene one final. Oh, okay. But then the first, let's see, IDT reading version, IDT final edits. There are one, two, three, four different versions of final edits, <laughs> which end up bringing us to March of 2012. I have, I think, I got like nine different versions of final edits here going from December of 2011 to March of 2012. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely December through March. And then the final word doc that's just called In Due Time is August of 2012. That's the final yeah. word doc and the PDF. Yep. So yeah, that so, took us four years to write. Yeah. So sometimes these things can take quite a while. I seem <laughs> to remember like the, it, it would it kept getting put down. Like we we weren't having time or something. And ironically, in due time, but it did get done in due time. So <laughs> that's that that's good. And yeah. then we have the next one that we do. You remember what we started working on next? Because uh, that's still that's also out on the shared drive. Under Hotline Plays, Prodigal Son. Yeah, that's right. That was going to be more dramatic, and I don't think that yes. got past the outline stage, if it even got finished with an outline. I have, let's see, Prodigal Son, Outline 2014, Act 1, Scene 1, Scene 2, Scene 3. It seems okay. like a full outline. That's more than I remember. Yeah. Maybe that was mostly Character your work, because I don't really remember doing much work on it that. could be. I don't know. Was that maybe solo? Was that just me? I thought we were working on it together. We were planning but to, see, but I honestly yeah. do not really remember writing much to it. I, I see notes. I don't have a local folder for it, so <laughs> I don't know what happened. Well, anyway, I, I, you know, I have an outline. Not start yeah. <laughs> we could start collaborating on that now live on the air. Um, yeah, okay. Improv writing. Yeah. Well, well that's, you know, maybe that's we'll what, do something like that. That's what I made think me that's, think that's of, one of our ideas. There you go. Well, when you were talking about writing, when your friend's passing around, writing sentence by sentence, that's basically what I thought of was improv writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you are interested in hearing something like that on That's Our Show, we could certainly do that. You can give us a call at 818-396-7856. The number in my own voice this time. <laughs> what was that number again? <laughs> that number again is 818-396-7856. So I know the name of the movie I want to watch. Do I press one? <laughs> you have selected. Yeah. You have selected. <laughs> Navy SEALs. <laughs> So if the number, if you don't feel like leaving us a voicemail or a text message, you can text that number too, but you can also email us at show at backstage.link or visit our website, show.backstage.link. We've stuck with the dot link. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Meantime, I guess that's more or less bringing us to our scripted content for the episode. Really? Isn't it? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes that sounds like a capital idea glenn so i guess we'll be right back and we'll present our scripted content for you and now our featured presentation the backstage group presents a book deal Written and directed by Glenn Eric Reed and Jim Belseric. 
adapted from their stage play. Welcome to the cafe section of the local bookstore. Here we find Stan sitting at a table reading a book and thoughtfully stroking his goatee. A cup of coffee sits in front of him, steaming unnaturally. Enter Martin, a college student carrying a few books, but desperately looking everywhere for a volume not in his hands. He eyes up the book that Stan is reading and hesitantly approaches. Excuse me, is that an analysis of classical literature by Albert Creek that you're reading? That's right. Uh, could you tell me where you found it? I could. It was right back there in literary criticism. Oh, uh, I just checked there. I, I guess it's the last copy then. I guess so. Um. Yes? It's just, are you thinking of buying that book? I don't know. Maybe. Because, you know, if it turns out that you're not, then I would. I, I mean, that is to say, I'd be very much interested in buying that book. How generous of you. Uh, oh, no, I didn't mean... <laughs> I meant that I'd like to buy it for myself, actually. How selfish of you. <sighs> Look, uh, Mr... You call me Stan. Uh, oh, uh, Martin, uh, pleased to meet you, Stan. I'm sure. Sorry, uh, hope you don't mind. Okay, look. I know you found that book first, and of course you have every right to buy it for yourself. But as it happens, it's a book that I really need for a class that I'm taking. Oh? It's very important that I get that book. I need it to pass the class. Mm-hmm. So if there's any chance that you're not planning to buy it today, if you don't really need it, I mean, I realize that I have no claim to it, certainly no more than you do, but I'm asking you to consider the possibility that my need for it may be greater than yours in this case. Your need? Yes, that's right. My need for that book may outweigh your need for that book. You say that your grade depends on the purchase of this book. On the purchase of, uh, let me see here, An Analysis of Classical Literature by Albert Creek. That's right. Well, if all it takes is buying the book, couldn't I just loan you the receipt to get you a passing grade? What? Or do you need to show your professor the actual book? No, no, you don't understand. I need the book to write a paper for the class. It's half of my final grade. And what makes you think, Martin, that your need, your grade, outweighs my need? Look, I didn't mean to... How do you know my very life doesn't depend on the purchase of this book? <laughs> I'm sure that's highly unlikely. But then, how do I know that your eternal soul doesn't hang in the balance? <laughs> you never can be sure. Okay, look, um, I'm sorry if I'm being a little impolite, and if I didn't need this particular book as badly as I do, like I said, I would never make such a proposition. Proposition? Beg your pardon, Martin, but I did not come to my neighborhood bookstore slash coffee shop to be propositioned. Now, let me see, where was I? I'm really not trying to be forward here, Stan. I had only hoped to appeal to your sense of sympathy and understanding of my situation. Your situation? 
like I said, that book is required for, well, not so much required, but in order to write the paper, that book would be... So what you're saying is you don't so much need this book as want it. Okay, okay, I suppose technically. I suppose you're right there, but still, I'm sure that you can see that my want pretty much translates to need in this case. But want never translates to need. You may need food, but you want steak. You need shelter, but want a mansion. You need water, but want a dry vodka martini on the rocks with a twist and two olives stirred so as not to bruise the gin. It's just not the same thing, Martin. I get the point, but... And to get something you want, you must be willing to sacrifice something else. Hmm? Oh, okay, I get it now. You're willing to give me the book, but you want something in return. Economics, my friend. Capitalism at its finest. The devil getting his due. In fact, uh, let's see here. Take a look at this. Milton says in Paradise Lost that we see things not as they are, but as we are. So let's examine things as you are, shall we? You say you're taking a class in classical literature. Yes. And where are you taking this class? Over at the university. And does the university have a bookstore? Sure. And the very obvious thing I am clearly missing is... Oh, I tried to get this book there, but they were sold out. It's a popular class, so they probably sold out of it rather quickly. And yes, I ordered the book there, but it won't arrive for another two weeks. I can't wait that long. Well then, does the university have a library? Sure it does, but they only have one copy of this book, and it's been out for the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. And what about the internet? Um, sorry? The internet? The World Wide Web. Bunch of computers networked together. I'm sure you've read about it, Martin. Yes, I know what the internet is. And have you heard of Amazon, eBay, booksforprocrastinatingstudents.com? There are countless places you could have checked for this volume. I don't like to shop online. That's why I'm here now. And besides, the book is here. If I could even find it on the web, I'd at least have to wait for it to get shipped to me. Several companies are doing amazing things with overnight shipping these days. But what guarantee do I have that they won't lose track of it or send it three weeks late? I don't have that kind of time, and I, I don't have that kind of faith. That's why I don't shop online. Right. Why well, have more faith in others' timeliness than you have in your own? Look... I don't want to impose on you here, but I really need, want, to get that book today. So, once again, if you're not sure that you need, want, or need, if you're not buying that book, if you could see your way clear to allow me to buy it, I'd be indebted to you for the noble gesture. Indebted? Yes. Well, all right. Here you go. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Stan. Uh, once again, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, well, enjoy your day. <clears throat> yes? I thought I heard you say that you would be indebted to me for such a noble gesture. Yes, I suppose And what I... is the root of indebted, if not debt? Well, I... Uh, of course, I could do the same for you if... 
hypothetically speaking, we were to meet again under opposite circumstances. Hypothetically speaking? Yes, obviously. I see. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask for a little more than that. If your debt is not hypothetical, then why should the compensation be? Debt? Stan, are you saying that you actually want me to pay you for allowing me to buy this book? For the privilege of buying this book? Well, I think that's only fair, don't you? After you imposed on me, as you put it. Like I said before, who's to know how I could have used the book? Whether I wanted or needed it. You didn't really bother to find out, did you? And since you're buying it out from under me, I didn't really get to find out myself, did I? I guess you have a point, but... But my needs and my wants mean nothing to you, do they, Martin? You'd be satisfied just putting on a show of gratitude and saying you'd do the same for me at some unspecified point in the future, but in reality, you figure the chances of us meeting again, well, there's about a snowball's chance That's not necessarily true. I mean, yes, it's unlikely we'll meet again under opposite circumstances. But how can you say for sure that I wouldn't live up to my word? Ah, your word. And how am I supposed to know what that would be worth? Aside from your name, I don't know you from Adam. So you don't take me at my word that I'd do the honorable thing, live up to our... Our our, contract? I was going to say agreement, but I suppose that's more or less the same thing. I'd say we have a verbal contract. Is that not a fair assessment? Yes, I suppose. I let you keep the book, and for all eternity, or until such a time as adequate compensation is obtained to my satisfaction, you owe me your... Yes, yes, all right, I owe you, I get it. Well, we've gone this far. Why don't we put it in writing? (laughs) Make it more official. Where is it? Ah, here we are. What is this? Some kind of contract? You just carry that around with you? Oops, almost forgot this. And a red pen, too? (laughs) This is ludicrous. (laughs) Forgive me, but I had assumed that I was appealing to your sense of generosity, that you were doing me a favor at little cost to yourself when I stood to benefit greatly from it. If you'd just let me... If I had realized that I was putting you out so much... I wouldn't have bothered you in the first place. It's just that my great need of this book clouded my judgment. Want. My great want of this book. It doesn't matter. You wanted that book. I was in possession of the only copy. And I let you have it. Yes, and as I said before, I thank you for it. That book means a lot to you. Absolutely, as I've been saying. Right. And as it happens, there is something that you have that would mean a lot to me. I was about to tell you that you can settle your debt to me right now. Really? Yes, of course. We're both reasonable, intelligent men. Why drag this out for eternity? Okay, so what is it that you want? (laughs) I have this paper here that I'm writing for my adult evening class in existential philosophy. Seeing as you're a student of the written word, do you... Think you could proofread it for me? Sure. (laughs) But it's going to cost you. (laughs) You have been listening to A Book Deal. 
starring Jim Balseric as Martin and Glenn Eric Reed as Stan. This has been a Backstage Group production. So we hope you enjoyed our present, our feature presentation of a book deal. Thank you for listening and tuning in once again to That's Our Show. Uh, please be sure to tell your friends, rate us on iTunes or wherever finer podcasts are sold. Or given away. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can also visit our website, show.backstage.link, or you can send us feedback. And how would they do that, Jim? Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. I have to repeat all this again. <laughs> well, they can email us at show at backstage.link. Sorry, or they can give us a call. I don't have my uh, cheat sheet ready. Uh, see, you got to have your notes ready. They can call us at 818-396-7856. What's that number, Jim? That number again is 818-396-7856. And if you enjoyed a book deal and would like to hear it again, or if you want to tell your friends to tune in just for that... What we're going to do is next week, we will release another episode containing only the feature presentation of a book deal. Yeah. Filter away all that other crap. Yeah. Nobody Cuts wants to, to hear chase. us actually talk. Yeah. Well, did we want to now that now that we presented a book deal, is there anything else we wanted mm -hmm. to mention about it? No. None, nothing whatsoever? Nothing. I can't think of anything. Can you? I, I can. Yeah, actually. The, the, what? the twist ending was not really originally kind of our concept that actually came out when it was first staged yes as you may recall yeah i do recall that yeah and i think i kind of like it i mean it's a little i don't know <laughs> they, they, they when i took writing courses they often said to avoid the um how did they put it the twilight zone moment ah which that kind of has yeah but i think that's a good way to describe it yeah but i do think it works and uh yeah I liked it. So you we like kept it? it in. Yes, we did. So once again, you can tune in next week to listen to that again or tell your friends to listen to it. But meantime. What? <laughs> oh, just uh, say that's our show. Okay. <laughs> can you give me a cue again? Yeah. But meantime. That's our show. <laughs> you should on, fire man. me. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> You'll get the hang of it still. So welcome to the bonus content for this episode where we're going to discuss some uh, last minute casting. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we were, <laughs> we originally recorded the main dialogue for the scene when actually at the same time when we recorded our first episode. But mm -hmm. at the time we hadn't decided who was going to play the announcer. Yeah, we figured like one of us would probably do it or maybe we would get somebody else to try to get a different voice in there. We couldn't really decide. So we're like, eh, we'll, we'll figure it out later. And then I got sick, <laughs> which was very <laughs> weird because I had I literally had th three or four days with a sore throat 
and zero other symptoms. I took two COVID tests just to be safe. Mm -hmm. I did not have COVID. But this one morning I woke up and sounded like a completely different person. And so I texted Jim and I'm like, you know, I I, I think I might give the announcer role a shot because I sound completely different. He did. And yeah, and Jim said, all right, well, you know, give it a shot. And I recorded it. And that was one take, the, the recording that was in there. So if you didn't recognize it, that was me in the role of the announcer. And not only that, we have other scripted content waiting already <laughs> in the wings. And I just went ahead and recorded the announcer voice for, for I think, two other scripts that yes. were already ready to go. <laughs> Unfortunately, it might be difficult to get that guy back. Yeah, I don't know if we will. It's so bizarre. And as after I recorded, I go back and listen. I'm like, damn, you know, I, I yeah, I'm doing voiceover work. If that were my real voice, I feel like I'd get so much more work. <laughs> but what are you going to do? It was kind of fun to do and and, I, and cool that we have me that doesn't sound like me. I thought that was awesome. I thought it sounded great. Yeah. So that was that. It was fun. Good. No, we did not. We did not pitch shift Glenn's voice in any nope. way, put any sort of pr uh, special vocal processing on it to make him to, to cha change his voice in any way. That was yep. actually how he sounded that day. Other than some very slight noise reduction, there was no post-production on that at all. <laughs>